MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, June 12th, 2020. Today, Louisville police released the incident report in Breonna Taylor's murder. Chief Justice Beryl Howell unseals a two-year-old order tracking fraud, money laundering, and sanctions violations and the crime fraud exemption for attorney-client privilege. Two top Department of Justice officials resign on the same day. Flynn's lawyer files her brief with the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. COVID hospitalizations increase in nine states after Memorial Day. Detained migrants say they were used to clean a COVID-infected ICE concentration camp. General Milley apologized for participating in the Trump church photo op. Trump will hold his first MAGA rally since COVID on Juneteenth in Tulsa. The Senate Armed Services Committee moves to remove Confederate names of military bases and passes an amendment to ban the use of troops against protesters. And LeBron James assembles a group of prominent black athletes and entertainers aimed at protecting African Americans voting rights. I'm your host, AG, and joining me today is a guest host and the voice of She-Ra on Netflix, Amy Carrero. Woohoo! Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. You you know, we've had you on the show um, several times in the past. Absolutely love having you uh, as a voice on this show, and so thank you for, for joining us. Ooh, I have literally nothing else to do with my day at all. And (laughs) even if I did, this would be top priority. So thank you for giving me a purpose today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, I have literally nothing else to do. So this is fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, no, I appreciate that. As you can tell from my intro, it's usually not that long, but we have a lot of news that are, that is that is dropping both, you know, f- prominent forefront protests, change, etc. But then we have a lot of news from under the radar that's happening. And yes. um, it's it's pretty insane. And I wanted to you to join me uh, for this a block so that we can go over some of these, you know, more of the, you know, the leads and these headlines, because I think um it's just there's just so much going on and and it's important you know for for us here at daily beans to be able to wrangle all this news together and 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 put it all in one place for you so i'm really glad you're joining me today love that i'm so glad i will say that i (laughs) i got your email with all of the things we're discussing and then i took like 30 this might be tmi but i took about like 30 minutes to like do an at-home waxing kit situation and I guess in those 30 minutes like two other stories have broken so <laughs> can't wait to hear about them oh uh which two stories are you talking about I I so two people resigned on the same day what happened what is that oh yeah there's a lot of stuff that I'm going to be going over in the news from under the radar uh in the Great. second block um that uh, yeah uh, the the solicitor general Noel. Francisco uh, resigned from the Department of Justice, the solicitor fucking general. That's the guy who argues wow. in su- in the Supreme Court on behalf of Trump. That's the guy who says we have to get rid of DACA. We have to get rid of Obamacare. We have to uh, make it so that we can fire LGBTQ plus community members. We have to make it, you know, that wow. that's that guy. So he's gone. And then, of course, it took him this long. <laughs> mm. And then, of course, criminal division head in the Department of Justice named Brian Benchkowski, who's an old Kirkland and Ellis 
douchebag that represented Alpha Bank and it just oh, who's God. A sanction, like a sanctioned bank. So just a bunch of crazy shit. Beryl Howe released some money laundering sanctions and defrauding the United States attorney-client privilege investigation that that My God. is mostly redacted it's all bananas but i mean how much more how much more information do we how much more um evidence do we need that the world is on fire yeah right i know exactly we're gonna go through this a block and you'll be like nope we're not done we have the b block yet to come (laughs) so um i will also later on in the show today be talking to greg oliar we're going to be talking about the two resignations uh that happened there and uh as always it is friday And that means we are having our uh, quarantine happy hour meet and greet. This week's theme is pride. So, um, yeah, because, you know, there's just it's a it's a different pride this year. It's a different kind of celebration. And we want to honor it. And so we're going to be doing that at four Pacific time. We'll send you the link um, to patrons at four. And then we open it up to the public at five because I know not everybody can afford to be a subscribing patron um, at this time. Um, so cool. I can't wait to join and and watch and enjoy a cocktail. Yes. And, and, and we all answer your questions and it's, it's quite fun. Um, but without further ado, there's some things I want to talk to you about, Amy. And so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay. So the first story here uh, that I read, I think I read this last night when it came out. Brianna Taylor's incident report came out from the Louisville Metro Police. Um, nearly three months after they fatally shot Breonna Taylor in her South End apartment. They have released this incident report from that night, except it is almost entirely blank. The four-page report has the time, date, case number, incident location, victim's name, as well as the fact that she was a 26-year-old black female, but it redacts Taylor's street number, apartment number, uh, and date of birth, and it lists her injuries as none. (laughs) I mean, like, like, how? It doesn't make any sense. She was shot at least eight times, died death. in her hallway. Yeah. In, according to this article, in a pool of her own blood. How can you... It's just so transparent to me that some of these police departments, if not all, are just in so insulated and, and the culture of silence is so... runs so deep that they cannot even compose a, 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 a full police report. I mean, not even mm-hmm. that. And get this, get this, the the Louisville Metro Police checked the box, no, under forced entry, even though officers used a battering ram to knock in her apartment door. So it's just infuriating. And yeah, these officers have not been arrested and they, they need to be immediately. And one of them was, wasn't one of them transferred? I think so. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so... We're just not even going to acknowledge the wrongdoing. We're just going to sweep it under the rug by having absolutely no written evidence. And then also, we're just going to send this guy, Catholic priest style, to another uh, location where he can just do the same. It's just... Catholic priest style. You've got it exactly right because what happens in a lot of these t- a lot of these cases is the police unions expunge their records or hide their admonishments or you don't know that they have 18 previous incidents of excessive force or racial profiling because of the union protection. And these I wish they weren't called unions because they don't protect the workers. They don't they these these aren't unions. Um 
they need to be dismantled. They're just like they're they're, they're like PR cults or something like and worse mm-hmm. than that. But it truly, it's like when I saw that that guy from the poli- police union in New York give that speech, I just thought to myself like. How does he not realize that th- what he's calling for, like, he was like, they're treating us like animals. They're treating us like Ugh. thugs. And it's like, how, I mean, is it just lost on you that that is what people of color, specifically black people, have been asking for for centuries from mm-hmm. law enforcement? It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was unbelievable to me. I mean, that was just the most idiotic shit I've ever heard. But, you know, and then they, they in order, like this incident report came out, they haven't arrest the, arrested the officers in Breonna Taylor's case. They, I guess to try to placate someone, they dropped the charges against uh, her boyfriend, which never should have been brought in the first place. Never. That's like, hey, I lit a fire never. in your house, but I put it out. High five for me, right? And yeah. it's it's disgusting. It's disgusting. We need movement. And then and then they and then they say on one hand, like, exercise your second amendment right to, you know, bear arms and, and protect yourself and protect your home. And then when you know, her, her boyfriend thought somebody was breaking in because there was a no knock warrant. So what was he supposed to do? So on the one hand you're telling people to arm themselves and have, you know, um protection, be able to protect themselves, and then on the other hand, you're penalizing them for it. It just doesn't make any sense. Oh, there's a long unwritten part of the constitution that just indicates that black people don't apply to the second amendment doesn't apply uh so yeah we can dive into that a little bit more but i mean that's let's be honest um in, in fact, in Dallas, when, you know, the, the cops were brutalizing um, black people, then, and I think, it, I think like nine cops were shot. And my first immediate thought is, well, that's a that's a armed militia uprising against a tyrannical government. Why is that? Where's the second? Where's the NRA today? Um, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense because it's it's sort of like we've lost all perspective. You know, people forget that. When, when, right before the Civil War, people had been saying, well, we just can't, I mean, how can we survive without slavery? How will our economy survive? You know, what are we going to do about, about our, the money in the South and the, the things, you know, and then, and you hear people say now, like, well, there's just no way we can defund the police. I mean, how are we going to catch criminals? How are we going to catch rapists? And it's, you know, it begs the question, like, are we doing that <laughs> anyway? But also, you know, we're always going to meet some, if not a lot of uh, resistance when it comes to a quote unquote radical idea. And then we look and then generations ahead of us look back and think, oh, my God, what took them so long? Mm. Yeah. In fact, my rapist was never caught. Um, in fact, I was threatened uh, if I that, to, you know, uh, for filing a report in the first place. And then, you know, with the domestic violence, um, you know, the the officer went on Christmas break. I had tried to call to oh press charges. God. And then by the time they got back, the court had already dismissed it. So, yeah, please tell me again how effective it is. Yeah, we're, we're not we're not doing that job anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's so crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but there's uh, a couple of rays of good hope here from the Republican led Senate, the Senate Armed Services Committee has uh, moved forward uh, a a bill to change the names of bases, military bases, named after fucking treasonous, murdering, (laughs) slave-owning, bastard, Confederate assholes. Um, It's heritage! (laughs) Whatever. So that's out of committee. Um, And then um, 
Mm-hmm. That's out of committee. And now they're also uh, another one is they're banning the use of military forces against protesters. Uh, and this is a Republican led Senate Armed Services Committee. So I'm I'm very uh I mean, these are baby steps. Don't get me wrong. Yes. I'm, I'm not saying, oh, finally, everything's done. We've we fixed it. That's not, that's not. No, but, you know, it's sometimes it takes little baby steps. And so so Trump has made really clear that he I mean, he was like, in my administration, that's not going to happen. We're not going to rename any bases. Um, so so what happens if, if it does get through? He will just veto that or. Is it just more of a show of... Yeah. I mean, he could veto it, which would be political, politically, optically bad for him, but not his base. I mean, we're at the point right, right now where he, you know, it doesn't really fucking matter what he does. He's got a solid base that's never going to leave him. Uh, but uh, it, you would need to have a, a veto-proof majority to override the veto, which you might see. You might see that uh, if we Let's flood hope. our if we flood our senators and representatives with enough calls to say, we need two thirds of you. To, yeah. to change the names at these bases. Let's name them after World War II, um, you know, heroes. Let's name them out. Like, yeah. Why do... What? There's no shortage of heroes in our history. I mean, can we just, like, not name bases after people who were defending slavery? Like, is that too much to ask? Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, at least in Trump's eyes. Yeah. I think it's actually a, a good first step because it is... One of the things that I've been sort of thinking about during this time has been how uh, white supremacy has been uh, being able to survive through many, many different systems, but especially because there's a whitewashing of history, you know, and, and renaming these bases can be the very first step to saying, you know what, this is this is actually hateful. It isn't about heritage. And if it is about heritage, it is a hateful heritage. And we should name it that so that, you know, we're not watching – um, gone with the wind and feeling bad for Scarlett O'Hara, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, even NASCAR is on board, okay? So oh, that's really all we need to know. When you get NASCAR saying that flag <laughs> is not heritage, it's hate, I think we're getting yeah. somewhere, uh, little Absolutely. by little. Um, another story uh, migrants uh, were used to clean an ICE detention center concentration camp, let's call it what it is. Yep. Asylum seeking migrants locked up inside an Arizona Immigration Customs Enforcement concentration camp with one of the highest number of confirmed covid cases said they were forced to clean the facility and were begging for protection from the virus according to a letter obtained by nbc quote this is a life or death situation said the translation of their message dated may 18th and sent to the florence immigrants and refugees rights project that's a legal advocacy group that has filed a lawsuit on behalf of migrants at the facility and uh that is they are forcing them to exposure they you know they're they have rotten uh, food they can't get face masks they're forced to clean and disinfect their own facility where they're where they are being housed and it's 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 reminiscent of chernobyl when they sent in the coal miners to dig out under the heat to put a heat sink in knowing the government knowing they would be exposed and that they put their lives at in at, at risk yeah. um that's but but those people got paid yeah, this is so on on brand for fucking 2020 and also Arizona. Like, I just can't. Do you know if this detention center is a private detention center? Or is this something that can be, I don't know, fought? In, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I I, I would imagine so. Uh, yeah. Being in Arizona. Um, I know that California, we have banned privately owned um, and ICE detention centers and private prisons. But 
Arizona's not that way. I mean, they're just prisons. I mean, it's like, it's a prison. It's not a, we just had done their name for it. Um, But what's so crazy is that when I read that article, their response was like, well, no, nobody's making them do it. I mean, some of them were asked to do it. And it's like, okay, so let me get this straight. Let me just imagine this conversation in my head. You are keeping people in cages because that's what they look like. You're giving them rotten food. You are not providing um toilet paper on weekends for whatever reason. And then you're saying, hey, if you're really that concerned about COVID, like here's here's some Clorox and like a dirty mask. Like what do you expect – what do you expect people to do? You know, they don't want to go into solitary confinement or they don't want to be retaliated against, you know? So would they rather, I mean, what choice do they have? It's like either no. clean their their own space or get COVID. I mean, it just, it's so unfair. That is, those are the exact same kind of people who will rape a, a migrant, you know, in a concentration camp and then say that they consented as if they could possibly right. ever consent, right. you know? Like, no, 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 no. The power dynamic is completely, like, it's not even a good argument because you are literally the people that hold the keys to the cages in which you're keeping these people. And they're like, well, we didn't force them. Well, it's like, yes, you did. (laughs) You know, like, who knows how you asked them? It could have, you know, whatever. We don't know. We don't have that information. But, like, it's just this complete disregard for humanity that is so disturbing and it's been around forever, but now I'm seeing it in even the simplest conversations, like even with people, you know, who you think are like, you know, on the right side of history. And we're like, can we just talk about the fact that we're debating like actual people's lives here? You know, it's just crazy. It's so nuts. Yeah. And in here's, here's something else nuts. Uh, Trump, is facing backlash for his decision to hold his first campaign rally back after COVID on Juneteenth, uh, which is a holiday marking the end of slavery in N. Tulsa, a city known for a horrific race massacre in 1921. We had the 99-year anniversary uh, a couple weeks ago. Kamala Harris, um, uh, she's one of Joe Biden's top vice presidential picks, said this isn't just a wink to white supremacists. He's throwing them a welcome home party. Oh, that's Um, so good. And Texas Congressman and Congressional Black Caucus member Al Green tweeted, Trump rally with rebel flags, a symbol of slavery and racism, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the place of the Tulsa massacre, on Juneteenth, a day of emancipation recognition, is more of a slap in the face to the African Americans. It's more than a slap in the face. It's overt racism from the highest office in the land. Um, As you know, 1921, Tulsa, site of one of the country's bloodiest outbreaks of race violence, racist violence. Uh, white mobs attacked black citizens, burned their shit to the ground with guns and explosives and bombs dropped from airplanes. Um, Katrina Pearson, uh, senior advisor to the Trump campaign, said Republicans as the party. She's still on board. Uh, oh, oh, my God. OK, sorry. That's crazy. She said. She says Republicans as the party of Lincoln are proud of the history of Juneteenth. President Trump has built a record of success for black Americans, including unprecedented low unemployment prior to the global pandemic, all time high funding for historically black colleges and universities and criminal justice reform. So disgusting, disgusting. First of all, it's crazy that I did not even know about Black Wall Street. I didn't read. I mean, that wasn't in my history books. Was that in your history books? No, we weren't taught about Tulsa. We weren't taught about uh, Black Wall Street. No. Or, yeah, like, I, I 
uh, that's all and like rosewood like I, that is all information that I have learned in my adulthood so I've gone all of this time in my life not knowing the overt I mean it's all over you know all, all, any act of racism in one way or another is overt but like I just can't believe that he yeah there, what is there to say about it I mean it's clearly it's what Kamala Harris said this is not a dog whistle anymore it's a full-on bullhorn like act of aggression yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, something, this is, uh, so LeBron James, okay, I'm from Cleveland. Hello, LeBron. LeBron hey, hey. James and a group a group of other uh, prominent black athletes and entertainers are starting a new group aimed at protecting African-American voting rights. This is from the Washington Post, seizing the widespread fury against racial injustice that has fueled worldwide protests to amplify their voices in this fall's presidential election. Quote, because of everything that's going on, people are finally starting to listen to us. We're finally getting a foot in the door. Um, that's LeBron said that. Uh, he said, how long our foot in the door is up to us? We don't know, but we feel like we're getting some ears and some attention. And this time is a time for us to finally make a difference. And the organization is called More Than a Vote. And it will be partly aimed at inspiring African-Americans to register and cast a ballot in November. But... Uh, as the name of the group suggests, Mr. James and other current and former basketball stars, including Trey Young, Skylar Diggins-Smith, and Jalen Rose, will go beyond traditional celebrity get-out-the-vote efforts like, we, like we've seen in the past. Um, he's going to use high-profile uh, platform on social media to combat voter suppression uh, and will be vocal about drawing attention to any attempts to restrict the franchise of, of uh, racial minorities. And on Monday... Uh, he convened a call that included Mr. Rose, the Detroit-raised former NBA star, Ms. Uh, Diggins-Smith, Draymond Green, uh, that's a forward for the Golden State Warriors, and another Michigan native, Udonis Haslem, uh, a longtime Miami Heat forward who's from Florida. Yeah, baby. Yeah, that's Miami. the only thing. We're, well, that's the only thing we can be proud of, really, in all of Florida is the <laughs> Miami Heat. <laughs> that's it. And um, NFL running back Alvin Kamara, who's from Georgia, and uh, LeBron has also gotten a commitment from Kevin Hart. Uh, who's cool. also speaking to a number of musicians. So this organization will team up with voting rights organizations, including When We All Vote and Far and Fair Fight, which is the Stacey Abrams joint, uh, and is being advised by Adam Mendelson, former political strategist who worked with uh, uh, LeBron James for nearly a decade, um, and also Adisu Demesi, who ran Senator Cory Booker's 2020 presidential campaign. So that's all astounding because I think his voice could yes. really, really make a difference. It, it makes such a difference because even even our poli our our politicians even you know liberal politicians or whatever even Barack Obama of you know President Obama is like get out and vote get out and vote but we have yet to receive tools with which to combat voter suppression and that's a big problem and that's something that I see a lot of especially Black activists talking about on Twitter that they're like great yes we absolutely have to vote but what are we doing and what are you doing uh, to help us make that happen and so I'm so glad that that you know this super super powerful super influential group of people has gotten together because um not only are they going to get you know people who maybe uh, feel too daunted by the process of registering or voting or, or feel like it doesn't make a difference so that's really inspiring but also the fact that they have dedicated um a specific mission to calling out voter suppression while it's happening before it's happening um and and hopefully, you know, setting our sights towards the future to prevent it. Yeah, and you have to wonder how much of this is in response to the absolute shit show in <gasps> Georgia with voter suppression. Although um, I did just see um, 
a tweet come out from Stacey Abrams. Let me see if I can pull this up because I thought that it was um, important to share. Do mm-hmm. do uh, the turnout. Um, the unmitigated disaster in Georgia this week yep. has rightfully drawn a lot of attention. Also deserving attention, the number of Georgians who overcame their obstacles. Uh, in 2016, the primary Democratic turnout was 761,000. This time, the primary Dem turnout, 948,000 and still climbing. All right, baby. That's amazing. Yeah. That That's truly, it's it's unfair. It shouldn't. People shouldn't have to you know, overcome obstacles when it comes to a constitutionally protected right. Um, But, you know, the fact that, like, there are so many people being vocal about it. And I saw that Jose Andres, I I don't know how he's going to work this out, but he tweeted out, like, I'm going to provide, like, restrooms and um, water and food in places with really long wait lines on election day. And this is the kind of thing we need because this is how – they succeed in suppressing the vote. They do it quietly. They do it by shutting down um, voter uh, locations or voting poll locations in predominantly black neighborhoods and neighborhoods with people of color in them. And this is how they suppress the vote. So I'm so glad that there is attention coming to that now. Mm -hmm. And allies need to educate themselves because, you know, I wait in line 10 seconds to vote. I've never had an issue. And so it's it's just not something that's on your mind, you know, and then it's being it's being amplified now. And it's the it's I think it's it's sinking in and it really needs to just have so much more attention brought to it. And I think these huge, huge voices with massive social media outreach across party lines. Okay, LeBron transcends party. Um, he are, sure are does. He's yeah, yeah, hugely important. And I'm so I'm so grateful that he's doing this. He's the son of Akron, where I'm from. I hail from there myself, and he's done a lot for that community. And and uh, I'm looking forward to see what he can do for the country. Me too. It's nice to have a little bit of good news. I know, right? That is <laughs> um, that's our A block. Any final thoughts before before I let you go? Oh, you know, one thing I've been thinking about a lot is how we can keep the movement going, you know, Black Lives Matter and how when we care for black lives, we are actually also caring for other intersectional issues. And so I'm really hoping we can keep this going. And I really, really hope that it's a turning point. And for any Latin ex-listeners out there i know there's a ton of colorism in our community there's a ton of anti-blackness it is also up to us to combat that so thank you for giving me the chance to say that a hundred percent and uh i'm looking forward to having you on again soon so thank you for joining me me too thank you all right all right and where can people find you before i let you before i let you off the hook oh um at Amy at Amy Carrero on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm reposting, I'm I'm keeping my timeline really focused and I'm reposting a ton of resources on my Instagram and on Twitter as well, but mostly on my Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. (laughs) Uh, I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute joy talking to you. We'll be right back with the news from under the radar after this quick break. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunbasket. Like most people, I have been socially distancing, working from home, reducing unnecessary trips out, and if you're trying to avoid crowded grocery stores, I recommend trying Sunbasket. Sunbasket delivers healthy, delicious meals straight to your door and is a perfect and tasty solution for these crazy times, but Sunbasket also has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, which is huge to me because I'm paleo, but they also have uh, gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. They make it easy and convenient. Everything is pre-portioned. It's ready to prep and cook. You can enjoy a full dinner of delicious organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. And each week, Sunbasket offers a wide range of recipes to choose from, so you can try mouthwatering dishes such as Hwasan steak strip lettuce cups with pickled daikon and carrots or black bean tostadas Diablo with cabbage slaw and guacamole, and my favorite roasted salmon with miso glazed eggplant. You can order from any recipes across the menu. You can skip a week if you need to, or you can double up on your favorite ones. And Sunbasket facilities have the highest levels of food and employee safety. That's very important to us here. So they reinforce strict adherence to their current operating procedures, but they've increased sanitization frequency in their distribution centers to protect your family and their employees. And right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go right now to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and use promo code dailybeans at checkout for $35 off your order. Again, sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for some news that has gone under the radar today. First of all, Chief U.S. District Judge for the District of Columbia, Beryl Howell, this week unsealed a memorandum from a grand jury case in April of 2018. The memo concluded that in an ongoing investigation of defrauding the United States, sanctions violations, and money laundering, or fraud, attorney-client privilege could not be invoked because of the crime-fraud exemption that says you cannot claim attorney-client privilege in the furtherance of a crime. And in this case... There was already evidence, according to the filing, uh, that the people whose names are redacted were, in fact, criming. Apparently, the lawyer in this case had put at the bottom of his email, or her email, email, subject to attorney-client privilege. (laughs) Uh, And in this finding, Beryl Howell determined you can't do that uh, when your email has crimes in it. (laughs) Uh, I do not know who these two are. I would assume this has to do with perhaps one of the cases handed off from the Mueller probe, one of those 12 redacted cases in Appendix D of the Mueller report, which was subsequently handed off to the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office, an investigation that might have been left dangling open by Barr's lapdog at the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office. It could be one of the multiple reasons Jesse Liu was ousted by Trump from the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office because she wanted to press on, maybe, with prosecuting this case. We simply do not know, but Hal released this mostly redacted document this week uh, for some reason, could be because she's either going to press the DOJ to close this case or feels that there's a public right to know. But we'll keep our eyes on it for you. Also, Sidney Powell, Fox News lawyer and uh, crazy person, filed her brief in the Flynn case late last night. Um, it's absolute garbage. She insults the court. Her assertions are backed by claims of exculpatory evidence that don't exist and she does not provide. Um, she draws conclusions about the innocence of Michael Flynn. Um, and, uh, you know, based on Barr's assigning Jensen to review the Flynn case, apparently there's some evidence there, but we haven't seen that. It's just all garbage. The filing came the same day two top DOJ officials resigned their posts, including the Solicitor General, Noel Francisco, and uh, head of the criminal division at the Department of Justice, Brian Benchkowski. Um, they were set to have to argue the Department of Justice's position on the Flynn case. Uh, I'll speak with Greg Oliar about that exodus later in the show, but I wouldn't be surprised if these two just refused to argue this ridiculous and lawless writ of mandamus, uh, you know, on behalf of the Department of Justice and filed by Flynn's Fox News lawyer. 
So give it a read. Uh, her filing it only takes about 10 minutes to get through. It's poorly written. It's hard to follow. You'll see what I mean when you read it. I tweeted it out from the Mueller She Wrote Twitter account, and I'll send a link out in the upcoming newsletter for patrons. Uh, it's, it's worth looking at. And America's top general has apologized for appearing in a photo op with President Donald Trump following a forceful dispersal of peaceful protesters outside the White House last week in Lafayette Park, calling the move a mistake. Uh, and saying his presence created a perception of the military being involved in domestic politics. This is General Mark Milley. He's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. And he said during a pre-recorded speech, which was released today, Thursday, that he regrets accompanying Trump on a walk from the White House to St. John's Episcopal, where he was photographed wearing his combat uniform and moving with the president's entourage through Lafayette Square. The images provoked a swift wave of criticism from lawmakers, according to the Washington Post, and several senior former military officials who said they risked dragging the traditionally apolitical military into a contentious domestic political situation. The pre-recorded speech to a group of graduates from the National Defense University um, was recorded by Milley, and he said, quote, As senior leaders, everything you do will be closely watched, and I am not immune. As many of you saw the result of the photograph of me at Lafayette Square last week, that sparked a national debate about the role of the military in civil society. I should not have been there. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics. As a commissioned uniform officer, it was a mistake that I have learned from, and I sincerely hope we all can learn from it. Milley also said he was outraged by the killing of George Floyd and uh, added the protests um, it sparked spoke to centuries of injustice toward African-Americans. The comment marks an extraordinary moment um, of America's top general apologizing for an appearance with his commander-in-chief and doing so while speaking to a group of future military officers and leaders. He said, quote, having the most senior officer in the ranks admit a serious mistake. Uh, no, he didn't say this. I'm sorry. This was uh, CNN military analyst John Kirby, who's a retired Navy rear admiral. He said, uh, having the most senior officer in the ranks admit a serious mistake and make clear he intends to learn from it will serve as a powerful example to junior officers and troops that no one is immune from screwing up and no one's credibility is enhanced by refusing to admit it. General Milley's comments about the need to keep military out of politics were timely and uh, all too sadly these days, appropriate to the pressure under which our troops labor. He was right to point out that he himself got mixed up in it. Uh, we shouldn't lose sight of the importance of what he has said. Too often, the military burdens itself with a zero-defect mentality. They don't make it easy to own up to errors in judgment. That's, again, from that retired rear admiral. Um, they also come after many former leaders, and uh, this comes after many former leaders publicly broke with president on a host on a host of issues, including the use of active duty troops to quell the protests triggered by Floyd's murder uh, and renaming military bases after Confederate generals. Senator Lindsey Graham uh, issued a statement in, uh, of support for Milley in the wake of the general's video statement. He said, "I have nothing but deep admiration and total confidence in General from General General Milley as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs." Uh, I support his statement in both substance and spirit regarding the recent presidential visit to St. John's. General Lilly is a tremendous military leader who understands the long tradition of maintaining an apolitical, nonpartisan military. Uh, I would not be surprised if Milley finds himself looking for a new job in the coming days, uh, and possibly Esper, too, who broke with Trump on sending troops after American citizens peacefully protesting. Trump continues to double down on his law and order use of force today, targeting Governor Inslee of Washington State, as he heads to Dallas to give a speech on race relations, likely written by frat goebbels Stephen Miller. 
Uh, though CNN is now reporting that three top black officials are uninvited, uh, have not been invited to this event, including the police chief in Dallas, Renee Hall, Dallas County Sheriff Marion Brown, and Dallas County District Attorney John Cruzot. And from the Washington Post, as the number of new coronavirus cases continues to increase worldwide, and more than a dozen states in Puerto Rico are recording their highest averages of new cases since the pandemic began, hospitalizations in at least nine states have been on the rise since Memorial Day. And those are the numbers we need to watch, the hospitalizations. In Texas, North and South Carolina, California, Oregon, Arkansas, Mississippi, Utah, and Arizona, there is an increasing number of patients under supervised care since the holiday weekend because of coronavirus infections. The spikes generally began uh, in the past couple of weeks and in most states are trending higher. Uh, data from the states that are reporting some of their highest seven-day averages of new cases uh, is disproving the notion that our country is um, seeing such a spike solely because of continued increase in testing. Uh, and this is according to data tracked by the Washington Post. It's not because of an increase in testing. Texas has reported 75,616 cases since the pandemic began. And in 10 of the past 15 days, the state's seven-day average of new cases has increased. As of Tuesday, it has reported two consecutive days of record-breaking coronavirus hospitalizations. The state has seen a 36% increase in new cases since Memorial Day, with a record 2,056 current hospitalizations as of early Tuesday afternoon. Uh, that's up from a high of 1,935 on Monday. Texas was one of the first states to relax their stay-at-home order. Uh, businesses started to open in early May. According to the state's health department, Texas has 28.14% of available hospital beds open and 1,723 available intensive care unit beds. Those are ones with ventilators. In Arizona, 28,296 cases have been reported as of Tuesday, and in 13 of the past 15 days, their seven-day average has increased. Uh, there have been a record number of hospitalizations in that state over the past few days. As of Tuesday, Arizona reported 1,243 current hospitalizations, a 49% increase since Memorial Day when there were only 833. Uh, Arizona has also been struggling with its bed capacity. On Friday, Banner Health, one of the largest health care systems in the country, confirmed that ICUs in Arizona were nearing capacity. Roughly 50% of all those hospitalized are in Banner Health Care facilities. And as of Monday, 76% of all ICU beds in Arizona are full, according to data from the state health department. Arkansas has reported 10,080 cases, and in 11 of the past 15 days, uh, their seven-day average has increased. It has had an 88% increase in hospitalizations since Memorial Day, 88%. Arkansas had 173 hospitalizations on Tuesday compared with 92 on May 25th. According to local reports, hospitals statewide uh, remain below capacity on Monday, and none of the new coronavirus cases had been linked to recent protests in the states. Uh, in North Carolina, it is experiencing the second largest spike in the nation, just behind Texas. North Carolina's upward trend began after Memorial Day. On May 26, the state reported 621 hospitalizations, but two weeks later, the number is at 774. And in South Carolina, hospitalizations increased Monday. In that 24-hour span, there were 30 new hospitalizations, a 6% jump in one day. Um, for a total of 507 patients. With a current spike, 12 counties in South Carolina have reached 75% of their hospital capacity, or greater, according to the state's health department. Mississippi has reported 18,109 18, cases since the pandemic began. On Tuesday, it recorded 671 hospitalizations, a new daily high. It has seen a 17% increase in hospitalizations since Memorial Day, with 573 reported on May 25th. And in Utah, new COVID-19 cases are on the rise. Uh, and as a result, so are hospitalizations. Utah's Coronavirus Task Force tweeted that the state has seen a spike on coronavirus cases, and it wasn't because of testing. 
or a lone outbreak. This is from the New York Times. Similarly to other regions, Utah's numbers have climbed steadily since Memorial Day. The seven-day average, uh, 12 of the past 15 days, has been increasing. Over that two-week span, their current hospitalization has more than doubled. And as of Tuesday afternoon, 230 patients were hospitalized. So that is what's going on with coronavirus. Those are the headlines from Under the Radar. We will be right back to discuss the resignations of two prominent Department of Justice officials with the author of Dirty Rubles, Greg Oliar, right on the other side of this quick break. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this tasty helping of the Daily Beans is brought to you by Magic Spoon, my new obsession. When I was a kid, cereal was my favorite thing, but as an adult, I had to kind of give it up because all the cereal I loved was full of sugar and chemicals and carbs. But I'm so excited to share with you, I have found Magic Spoon. It is amazing. It tastes so good. It's the best thing I've put in my mouth in a long time, but without the sugar, carbs, or guilt. Magic Spoon brings me right back to that feeling of popping myself down in front of Saturday morning cartoons drinking cereal milk after I was done crunching away. It is so good. You will not believe it's actually super healthy. Uh, As Forbes magazine says, with cereal that tastes this good and offers so much nutritional value, Magic Spoon may be the future of breakfast. Um, They amazingly, this Magic Spoon cereals amazingly have zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. And the best part is just amazingly delicious. They have the flavors, four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. Uh, It tastes incredible. It's too good to be true. I don't even understand it. My favorite flavor right now is cocoa. I was on blueberry, and I'm on cocoa this past couple of days. It's very yummy and chocolatey. Just snack it. Snack on it. Dry sometimes. Um, It's like a dessert. But it's so healthy. You can have it for breakfast. It's guilt-free. So go to magicspoon.com slash dailybeans to grab a variety pack, and you can try them all today. And be sure to use promo code dailybeans at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident, it is back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it, for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. That is magicspoon.com slash dailybeans, and use the code dailybeans for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, Yesterday, both the Solicitor General, Noel Francisco, and the head of the criminal division at the Department of Justice, Brian Benchkowski, both resigned their positions, effective pretty much immediately for the Solicitor General and on July 3rd for Benchkowski. And joining us to discuss this is author of Dirty Rubles, Greg Oliar. Greg, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on to talk to me because this is all weird because these are some names that... You know, we were following pretty closely a couple years back during the Mueller investigation where, you know, we sort of thought that maybe Noel Francisco was sort of protecting the Mueller probe. We, we remember they went out and had a public facing dinner on purpose with him and Jeff Sessions and Rod Rosenstein. And we know Rod Rosenstein wasn't protecting shit and Jeff Sessions is a racist possum. And so... Now, since between now and then, Noel Francisco has argued on behalf of the Trump administration in cases before SCOTUS, such as the 2020 citizenship question, where other DOG line prosecutors, you know, quit that uh, as well, quit that case as well. And then um, just the, you know, getting rid of Obamacare, just any of the big cases that get DACA, you know, arguing on behalf of Donald Trump in the DACA case. And so... Uh, you know, we are now right in the middle of this whole Flynn thing, and uh, and him and Benchkowski just leave or you know pen their resignations on the same day. Benchkowski, by the way, former Kirkland and Ellis guy, he was uh, 
confirmed uh, in 2018 into his position as head of the criminal division of Department of Justice, we were all like, what? How can you possibly put somebody who represented Alpha Bank, a sanctioned Russian bank that was mentioned in the Steele dossier and tied to that server that was communicating in Trump Tower, uh, probably in Manafort's apartment <laughs> for so long? And as we know, Alpha Bank also... Uh, produced uh, uh, Vander's Juan, who who was convicted in the Mueller investigation, and, you know, his father-in-law was Ghislaine Maxwell's uh, boss. I did just a whole lot of weird connections there. So seeing as we've seen our share of DOJ line prosecutors jump ship uh, after this ridiculous interference by the Department of Justice and the U.S. attorney in the District of Columbia... But now we're talking Solicitor General and the head of the criminal division. What do you make? Do you what do you think about these two resigning on the same day? Since they since folks like this top level positions normally don't resign until it's the end of an administration. Well, I mean, it is the end of the administration. <laughs> that, that's a joke, of course. But I, I, I'm thinking about the photograph that you mentioned of Sessions and Rod Rosenstein and Francisco at that dinner. And how I forget when that was. It was fairly early on in this game. And I think that so much has happened since that photo was taken. First of all, it feels like it was 25 years ago when, when that happened. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, to, among the many things that have happened since that photo was taken, um, we're not allowed to go eat dinner like that anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the world has gone totally crazy. Um, I, I'm pretty glad anytime somebody, you know, who, who I consider to be a black hat leaves the administration, I think it's probably a good thing. On the other hand, um, the new guy that's supposed to replace Benchkowski is uh, a former chief of staff of Bill Barr. Yeah. So it seems like every time they, they, they get rid of somebody, they manage to find somebody a little bit slimier, a little bit worse, a little bit less uh, good to, to, to fill in the position. It's just, I don't know where they find these people, but it, it, it seems to happen with stunning regularity. Mm -hmm. um, in your list of Alpha Bank stuff, the one thing that you didn't mention is that Alpha is the, the sort of the code name uh, for Semyon Mogilevich, who is almost certainly connected to that bank as well. Mm -hmm. So you have lots and lots and lots of, uh, of weird things. I mean, it seems uh, on some level to be a law firm that, you know, is, is totally fine representing sort of the seedier aspects of humanity. Um, and now these guys are gone. And why they did it today, I don't know. I mean, there's so many things percolating. Obviously, the Flynn thing is percolating. There's SCOTUS cases coming uh, down the pike that might be, um, you know, show us about something about the inner workings of the DOJ. And then there's all the stuff in the streets. I mean, Bill Barr has, has you know, really bent over backwards to try to protect Trump and, tro and cover up as much as he can cover up. And I think he's, he's only able to do so much. And I think people are seeing that now. So, you know, remember, he's also implicated in the the decision to tear gas the protesters so that Trump could have his stupid photo op with, you know, holding up a book like he had no idea what that actual object was. Um, you know, like, like, like the pelican holds up the fork in The Little Mermaid, like not knowing at all what it is. Um, you know, the same look of, of baffled bewilderment on his face. Oh. Yeah, uh, he starts brushing his hair with it. Um, so I have, I have a couple feelings on this. I think it's either just one of their house cleaning, like you said, just to, just to stick some more uh, compliant, malleable uh, criminals in those positions, just a house cleaning. Because, you know, we have been told it is publicly facing that they are getting rid of 
anyone who's not a total Trump loyalist. Or they don't want to argue this Flynn case because um, uh, the criminal division, Flynn is in the that's part of the criminal division. And Francisco uh, has been mentioned in, in a few uh, briefs filed recently in this case. And of course, Sidney Powell's stunning briefing you know, her filing came in last night around 11 p.m. and it's just a it's just sloppy and stupid and and based on uh, exculpatory evidence that doesn't exist it's just it's a, it's really really poorly written um and so i it could be that uh they did just finish arguing uh on behalf of Trump in the Trump finances stuff uh, cases uh, to SCOTUS, Noel Francisco did. So uh, it's either a resignation out of protest to what this administration or Department of Justice is doing, or it's the Department of Justice just cleaning house to put more friendlies in those high-level positions, because those are really high-level positions. Or it's it's because uh, I don't think that there's any sort of, of uh, honor among these people. I think they're, I think that, that much is, is clear. Hmm. Or it's rats leaving the sinking ship. It's them saying, "Okay, we've we've gone this far, but if we go any further, we're, we might get implicated in this. We're out." You know, they're they're lawyers. They know what they're doing. They're not going to um, get themselves indicted if they can help it. And maybe they perceived some sort of danger down the line if they didn't leave right now. I have no idea what what it might be. I'm not I'm not a lawyer, and I don't I don't understand the the, the legalese of all of this. Uh, in the minutia that 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 some people do, but it seems to me that's a that, that would be also a good reason to leave for mm. these people who are basically mercenaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could be sanctioned as lawyers uh, for arguing something completely bogus, like in the Flynn case, for example. So yeah, that is also a very real possibility. Um, I mean, the Flynn case is going to be a history book kind of thing, you yeah. know, and they might want to say, you know, I really don't want my name associated with this crap. Yeah, exactly. Which would kind of be a resign and protest thing. Uh, sort of kind of goes hand in hand with the rats leaving the sinking ship. Now, um, I also wanted to talk to you because of a interview that you did this a while ago. I think it was with Noel Kassler. And uh, I can just tell us briefly who he is and, and what sort of insights you gleaned from speaking with him. Well, he's a comedian and he is he's very funny and he's on Twitter all the time talking about basically Trump's drug use and stuff that he learned while he was working at uh, The Apprentice. He was there as a handler for, I think, six years and the last two of those years, he worked pretty much for Ivanka Trump. So he, you know, he has some inside knowledge of who these people are and, you know, what they're like, which I think is interesting because a lot of this, when people are in these positions of power, they're, they're, we're so removed from who they are that it's, it's, it's interesting to, to talk to people that uh, have met them and seen them interact before all this stuff went down and, you know, who are these people really? How do the dynamics work? Who's nice? Who's not nice? Who, who, who is allied with whom? Uh, that kind of thing. You know, real inside baseball, I guess, kind of stuff. And he's, he was privy to that. And I asked him to do it, and he um, agreed. Um, so, yeah, and it's, it's, it is the most popular thing that I ever had on my website um, since November, his, his interview. Uh, so and he, you know, he did a great job, and there's interesting things in there for sure. Um, the most notable being, I mean, a couple of things. First, 
he does not think I know there's a school of thought that Trump has uh, frontal lobe dementia. Um, my friend Tom thinks this and, um, you know, has, has staked out that that turf on Twitter, sort of explaining why he thinks this. And there's plenty of medical people that, that think that also. And there's uh, but he doesn't know. Uh, Kasler does not think that he thinks Trump is just a drug addict. He has the Adderall problem and all of his physical stuff derives from that, from just, a you know, years and years and years of abuse of, of drugs in his body and, you know, the wearing of diapers and this and that. And, um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to argue with. I mean, if you've seen pictures of Trump talking, his, his, you know, his pupils are often super duper dilated. Um, he stands funny. He has balanced stuff. And, and I think, you know. He's, uh, Noel says he wears a diaper, and he certainly looks like he does. I mean, you can kind of see it in the suit. So, um, you know, and again, there's nothing wrong with if you have an, an infirmity and you're and you're wearing a diaper, then you know that's that's what you got to do. I don't want to like shame anything like that, but the 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 fact that Trump is sort of hypocritical about it, like slamming everybody else's weakness um, while he can't even control his own body, is kind of ironic. And uh, he makes that point in the in the interview. Yeah, the other thing that he says that's interesting. Oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, I was just going to say that there, there does seem to be a, a control issue with sort of the shoulder jerks and the every time that happens, every single time that happens, he loses the word he was saying and then has to either repeat it or go forward with the wrong word and then try to make it real. It's 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 a thing. Yeah. 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 Um, here's what he says. This is a direct quote. It matters, meaning he's wearing a diaper. Uh, because his incontinence stems from his decades of stimulant abuse and fast food diet. He pretends he's the model of physical health when instead his bodily functions are being dictated by his drug addiction and he tries to cover it up. So it's evidence of his incompetence and one of the main reasons for the NDAs. Uh, the crew nicknamed Celebrity Apprentice the shit show because he would soil himself during tapings. Yeah, so that's the quote. And, um, you know, why, I, he's been tweeting stuff like this for, for years now, so... If, if it wasn't true, I think that Trump would have shut him down by now. Right. Sued him. Right. Yeah. And Mark Barnett, Mark Barnett, I think his name is, has tapes and all that other stuff. But uh, right. yeah. But I mean, at this point, Trump saying the N word is not going to um, move the needle. No. To, to, you know, his, his base would probably like him more <laughs> if they if they heard that. Um the other thing in the interview that's interesting is the, the dynamic between Don Jr. and Ivanka, who don't like each other, and that Ivanka and Jared are really good at manipulating Trump, the dad, into like doing stuff that they, they want him to do. Huh. So it's almost like she's sort of quietly in charge of a lot of things and knows how to manipulate him. So yeah. you have her and Jared, one of the the most imbecilic, ineffectual people that ever drew breath on this planet um, running things. And it's no wonder that, you know, the country's in such a chaos. Yeah, they put him in charge of uh, COVID, and then they put him in charge of uh, peace talks in, <laughs> in, in the Middle East. And then they now they, you know, now he's in charge of uh, this, you know, the, the protests. And it's just really, really weird. But, and I think, you know, what you're getting at and what Noel was getting at in that interview 
because drug addiction is a problem. It's real. It's something that shouldn't be stigmatized and, and shouldn't people shouldn't be shamed for it. There needs to be treatment but out there. But the hypocrisy of trying to take away mental health care and, and drug treatment programs as, as policy. And then, of course, also, you know, you remember, of course, when Hillary Clinton was tired, uh, there was a, a litany of uh, weak, she's weak, um, we need to figure this out, kind of. It's just that sort of hypocrisy uh, that that I think is, at, you know, underpins the the issue that that a lot of folks have with this not the not that anyone's you know addicted to drugs or incontinent or has health problems because those are things that are definitely crises we need to solve in this country and he's doing the opposite of solving them no he's well he's also lying about it that's the other thing yeah the medical the medical statements are are lies i mean they're, they're you look at the guy he's not six three he doesn't weigh two whatever weight he's supposed to weigh he's not he's clearly not in the health that they say he's in and it's they, they went to that doctor. He sent some goons to that, that doctor's house to take his files away, um, his medical file. I mean, this is – now, did you watch The West Wing? Are you a West Wing person? I did. Now, you remember during, I think, in between season two and season three, I want to say, there was a, like a, a story arc that kind of hoovered in the background, and it was that the president, Bartlett, had MS, and he had not disclosed this during the election. Mm-hmm. And what did that mean? Because his wife was his doctor and there was all this drama around it and this and that. We have a president who fucking lied flat out about his health repeatedly. And it's gone from the news in an hour. I mean, it's crazy. Like if this were anybody else, it would be a huge scandal. Just the medical shit would be a huge scandal apart from all the other stuff. And instead, like, we, we still don't know why he went to Walter Reed that day in, the, in November. For the first half of his physical? You know, I, I've, heard, I've heard things, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and we're not going to find out. Um, you know, there, there's rumors, but all we're going to get is rumors. And, you know, he, it's, it's lies. You can't believe a word that, that any of these people say. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's part of it, too, the, and, the, the and- lies. And it's also a national security issue, um, honestly. So there's there is that. This isn't this isn't, you know, your, this isn't my mom who is having some medical issues. This is, this is the president of the United States. Yeah. Um, and so it, it it does make it important. And then uh, finally, here you uh, just uh, want to close on this because we I, you you and I have been talking about this for years now. The best way uh, for for Trump to exit um, this job. Uh, because it will happen at some point, um, and or at least it's supposed to happen at some point, and that is how you know because if he doesn't win the election, then then the statute of limitations clock uh, gives time to the next prosecutor, the next attorney general, to prosecute crimes. That was the whole idea of the Mueller report and getting the investigation done because he couldn't indict the sitting president, but he could get all the evidence out there on the record so that he could be indicted later as a private citizen. Um, and so if he doesn't win, he's subject to criminal investigations. The only way for him to go, well, there's a couple ways, obviously. He can resign and, 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 and take a chance that Pence could pardon him and that pardon would stick, provided that him and Pence didn't commit any crimes together. And, or uh-huh. uh, he, could, um, he could defect to Russia or another country that we have a non, you know, no extradition treaty with and basically be exiled. Yeah. 
Well, it happened with the guy in Ukraine. You know why? It happened with Paul Manafort's other clients. So why not? Why not Trumpy? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the 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 whole the exit strategy thing is kind of crazy because um, I I would like to see when Biden becomes president. I don't want the regular attorney general to do that. I think that he needs to name a, you know a special prosecutor that's just focused on all of this stuff between not just Trump, but the Republican party, everybody that took money, all of it, you know, and give them a big mandate, give them major funding, let them arrest whoever they want to arrest and turn them loose. And then, you know, separate that from the, the, the functions of government. So it's not seen to be partisan. Right. Yeah. Cause it needs to be, if we don't do that, if, 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 if we do the usual American thing of, well, you know, it's a new guy now, forget that this guy's fine. We'll just move on, moving on, moving on like we usually do in this country, then this is just going to happen again and it's going to be worse. And the forces that are, that are behind him are going to be emboldened and they're going to continue. And I'm talking about the forces of, of transnational organized crime and, uh, you know, the, the Russian mafia and, and these people that, uh, and these forces that are evil and super powerful and need to be stopped. So I would like to see that happen. Uh, and I think that that's what that's the way that I would prefer to see it happen. Mm-hmm. But for Trump himself, as soon as he's not president, he, he I, I think the New York state might indict him the next day. I mean, they had the only reason they haven't gotten the documents from Mazars and Deutsche Bank is because he's the president. Mm-hmm. So even if even if SCOTUS rules that they can't have the documents, which would be devastatingly awful. Um, but even if they did, they're going to get the documents when Trump is gone. They're going to get them in January. And then they can indict him. And then what is he going to do? I mean, there is a there is a greater than zero percent chance that this guy is going to, to go into exile. It's crazy. I mean, you know, people are like the Trump presidential library. There's not going to be a Trump presidential library, not in this country. You know, maybe in Vladivostok, but not here. We don't want that shit. <laughs> you know, I think Don Jr. will just convert Mar-a-Lago or something. I don't know. Um, maybe they'll buy that house back from like Blablev, uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) in that money laundering scheme, (laughs) who knows? Um, but yeah, it's, that's definitely the fact that there's a greater than 0% chance that our president would be, uh, you know, exiled to Russia is, or, you know, but here's the thing though, like he, it could have been a deal. Like he got those sanctions lifted off Deripaska. Trump did. Um, and, and I, and I think that that was even more important to, uh, to Mogilevich and, and the Kremlin than lifting the sanctions that Obama put on for the 2014 annexation or lifting, uh, the, uh, sanctions for interfering in the election. Um, was that Oleg Deripaska? You know, the, that's a huge, massive amount, billions and billions of dollars to to that organization. And so, it, you know, it might have been a get that done, and you you come home to Russia when when this is all over because you you there's no clean exit after this. Yeah, I don't see how he how he can like I you know the idea that he's going to just disappear into the sunset is batshit. For I mean, for one thing, all of the lawsuits <laughs> against him are going to be continuing you know all of the, the the rape case and the sexual harassment stuff and the, the the money laundering things i mean all of it there's a lot of things that are just being held up right now just because the guy happens to be the president and is too busy doing the presidential duties of watching fox and friends to appear 
So we need to make sure that this stuff, um, you know, comes out. And I think it will. He's going to spend the rest of his life either in court or in prison unless he vanishes. I mean, that, I, I don't see any other way out. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be, put, I mean, the, the, the crazy meter, again, let, let's bring it full circle. Going back to that photo of Sessions and Rosenstein and, and um, uh, Francisco, I remember thinking at the time, oh, this is, this is good. This means Mueller's going to take care of business. This will be over soon. And it, it was not over soon. And things just, every, every month that goes by, things continue to get more batshit insane. Um, and, and, and just when I think it can't get, this is unsustainable. It can't be crazier than this. It can't happen. Boom. Something happens that that's crazier. Um, whether it's COVID and now all of the, you know, the, the tear gassing, the, the, the protester stuff. And now yeah. apparently he wants the military to invade Seattle for some reason. Yeah. Um, we have his, uh, first rally back on Juneteenth in Tulsa, which is just, come on. I mean, the, 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 <laughs> the dog it's not even a dog whistle it's a dog whistle and a and a racist siren you know as loud as can be I mean, disgusting totally a stephen miller joint totally a stephen miller joint. <laughs> yeah. and is he going to deliver I, I i thought he was supposed to trump steve miller was supposed to write a uh unifying race speech for trump to deliver today i i'm still i haven't seen that yet but you know i thought it was supposed to happen a couple of days ago i guess he i guess he couldn't come up with anything <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to write something like that when you don't believe any of it and don't want to do it. I mean, you have a writer that doesn't believe in it and Mm -hmm. probably can't make the argument. Mm -hmm. And the guy that he's writing it for who doesn't want to read it at all. Mm -hmm. So maybe they were just they just announced that they were going to do it, hoping that, you know, everybody would forget about it, which everybody pretty much has. Yeah, I don't think I don't I don't think the nation is like, wait a minute. I can't continue on unless I have my Trump racism speech. You know, I, I think, I'm, I'm just going to sit here by the TV until it's on. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, think, I don't think he has anything to say. I mean, just, he should just go to Tulsa and throw fucking bounty paper towels at, at, at people of color. And, and that, you know, that, that'll be it for him. I mean, he, it's the tone deafness and the, 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 the desecration of the, of the, places and the um you know History. the dates all of it it's sacrilege yeah. and it's disgusting so and we expect nothing less from these people because they're all disgusting evil people yeah to to, to go and give a, a, a law and order speech uh law and order is a is a is a term um with a history <laughs> uh and to give a law and order speech in tulsa uh, on Juneteenth, it's and it's going to happen, and it's I'm uh, I don't I don't even know, I just can't even. Like you said, just when you think it think it can't get more batshit insane, it does. Um, all right, well, thank you for discussing these things with me today. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you. Um, well, I'm on the Twitter, obviously, and I have my website, which is uh, on Substack. If you just type in my name, Greg Oliar, O L E A R, and the word prevail it will pop up in your search engine of choice and there I will be. So I, I update that every Tuesday and Friday. So I've got a piece coming tomorrow about Putin and terror. And those are, these are fun to write these things, right? <laughs> so happy. Anyway, uh, thanks again for having mood, me. Right? It's always, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, again, it can't get any crazier. So thanks again for having me. It's always, always a pleasure chatting and uh, we'll talk soon. I hope. 
Yes, yes. Author of Dirty Rubles, Greg Oliar. Thank you. Thank you for speaking with me today. Thanks. All right, everybody, stick around. Uh, right after this quick break, we will have the good news block. You don't want to miss it. Uh, stay with us. Hey, everybody. Today, Daily Beans is brought to you by Ancestry.com. It has been more than 75 years since many courageous soldiers, maybe even your grandfather, my grandfather was there, left home to fight for the highest possible purpose. You can now explore Ancestry's new collection of untold stories from World War II, then find and honor the veterans in your family who served. You may be familiar with the major events and battles of World War II, but there are so many more stories to uncover. Discover these diverse perspectives um, of those who were there and learn about the untold stories of the men and women who faced the war with dignity and courage. The skill and bravery of the Tuskegee Airmen, for example, and all African-American squad of fighter pilots. The incredible women who trained to become pilots and mechanics. The Japanese-American battalion that became one of America's most decorated units despite discrimination against the Japanese-Americans at the time. In honor of the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II, Ancestry has just released a U.S. draft card collection from that war with over 36 million draft cards completed by fighting age men in the United States across the country during that time, whether they ended up serving or not. So there's a great chance um, to find relatives in this collection. And you can, you know, they, it can help you learn more about what their lives were like. So uncover your ancestors' personal details in their, our World War II U.S. draft card collection, which shows details like home address, physical descriptions, and more. Find and honor the veterans in your family who rose to the occasion when the world needed them the most and get a new take on their World War II experience. Discover your untold stories and more. Head to my URL at Ancestry.com slash Daily Beans to start discovering your story today. That's Ancestry.com slash Daily Beans. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll blow on good news. It's on the way. And joining me today for the good news is Amanda Reeder. Hello. Hi, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Excellent. I was just compiling our uh, our next quarantine confessions episode, which we're going to record right after this, and um, there's some good ones. You guys are really gross. You're all really gross. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. But I have been, I, I've seen a couple come up where people are like, I don't shave, I don't shower, so... Um, yeah, if you want to get gross with us, check out the quarantine confessions episode. Um, some good stuff and some also not body odor related confessions, uh, also in there, but yes, uh, I really enjoyed that. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, but, uh, yeah, that'll drop on Saturday, Mm -hmm. um, to the public. If you're a patron, you'll get it early. You'll get it tomorrow. You'll get it today, Friday. Mm -hmm. Uh, and um, we also have, uh, as uh, I, I, we talked about at the top of the show, we have our Pride Q&A Happy Hour mm-hmm. Meet and Greet Extravaganza, which uh, starts at 4 Pacific Time Friday mm-hmm. uh, to for patrons. And then uh, we will release the link to the public at 5 p.m. from both Twitter accounts so the public can join us. I know a lot of folks can't really afford to be patrons at this point. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that um, everybody can be involved in that as well. So check that out. And what uh, what good news stories have we gotten to, uh, from, from our listeners? Yeah, let's kick it off. All right. The first one's from Dave. And Dave says, everyone's favorite judge, Amy Berman, Judge Jackson, if you're nasty, is going to be doing uh, the annual Shakespeare Theater mock trial with Justice Merrick Garland. I love this. Uh, um, yeah, so this year for the first time, this regularly sold out event is completely online. 
And on June 22nd, Judge Merrick Garland presides over a trial based on Shakespeare's timeless A Midsummer Night's Dream. With witty arguments showcasing top drawer legal skills and humorous writing, the mock trial is an event for lawyers and non-lawyers alike. And then they uh, they link to all of their ticket info and stuff. But um, that's so cool. You can find the info at tickets.shakespearetheater.org slash event slash virtual dash mock trial or... Um, yeah, if you just look up Shakespeare Theater Mock Trial, I'm sure you'll find it. But that is really adorable, and I, I love that. It combines my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> mock Trial and a Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, it's great. And 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 uh, so Judge Jackson's participating in this as well as Merrick Garland uh-huh. will be presiding. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I fucking love that. And also Judge Patricia Millett. I'm not sure who she is. Mm. Haven't heard of her. I'll have to look her up. You see mock trial uh, all the way back to sixth grade. I wanted to be a lawyer when I was a kid. Yeah. And it's it's so much fun. I uh, and I just can't imagine like what how much fun it would be to like script and then perform a mock trial based on a Shakespeare play. <laughs> um, but that's going to be that sounds really, really fun. I I'm going to definitely right? check that yeah, out. Check it out. I'll send you the link to it. Um, all right. Our next one comes from a listener in Albuquerque, New Mexico called MK. And MK says, the Santa Fe, New Mexico County Sheriff has backed off plans to purchase AR-15s, 15 AR-15s, as replacements for weapons currently in use by SWAT officers after public opposition. Um, uh, Among others, Christopher Harris, a retired Navy commander, spoke against the purchase, citing his experience training sailors to use them in combat. They have no place in our streets, on either side of the street, and we don't need military equipment uh, patrolling the streets. I'm not quite convinced that the sheriff isn't just planning to wait until things quiet down, so I will be adding my voice to those in opposition with the recommendation they use the funds to buy back these types of weapons to reduce the number in the hands of civilians who have no true need for them. Amen. (laughs) Like, machine... Uh, machine guns and assault rifles have there's no reason that either like community cops or civilians need to have these things um on another note i am a relative latecomer to your shows but cannot thank you enough for keeping me informed and relatively sane during the shit show of an administration and our current pandemic there have been a couple times in the past week or so when one of you has apologized for the lengthy discussion you're having but please don't I thoroughly enjoy hearing your views and have increased my Patreon contribution to support the bonus content. Oh, thank you so much. Um, welcome to the shit show lullaby. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in case uh, we've been we've been told that uh, people like to fall asleep mm-hmm. to us listening to our silky smooth voices deliver <laughs> the shit show news. Um, I feel like we should play some smooth jazz in the background, maybe, or like some elevator music. I don't know. But uh, those girl from Ipanema, uh, the music that used to run behind the Muller She Wrote ads was pretty, pretty calming, very soothing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yes, thank you so much thank for you so much. for That's your contribution. Really nice. We really appreciate we really appreciate all of our patrons so much. So yeah, it's it's your contributions that make the show keep going, and it's also the community and the network of people that. Um, you know, support one another that also helps alleviate some of the anxiety of having to live through this news cycle. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I mean, there's always a silver lining where we're, we're while, while it's, it's very 
anxiety-ridden having to live through this particular period in history. It's also uh, an historic period mm -hmm. there where we are able to take grave injustices and see them as opportunities for change. Absolutely. And so thank you for to our patrons for, for allowing us to to be able to do that and your support means everything yeah absolutely well said i could not say it better myself um our next one is from jen smith who's in seattle and she says my 10 year old daughter came up with the idea to have a socially distant protest in seattle this week i'm helping lead and come up with the logistics for the care of van c-a-r a van. <laughs> oh. I know. I'm beyond proud that she's moved to act and that we can create an opportunity for our community to protest if they can't join the larger protests in the actual streets. That is so awesome. What a rad kid you have. 10 years old. Mm -hmm. That's so great. And you know, it's funny. I was watching um, an episode of the new season of Queer Eye last night, which if you need a little light content, uh, you should watch it. And they had an 18-year-old um, on the show uh, for, you know, and they're not all sort of like just makeover. They kind of like help people like work through like mental health stuff or anxiety or like make changes. Um, and this 18 year old was, uh, a fellow for the sunrise movement in Philadelphia. And she was like full-time hardcore climate change activism every day, all day. And she was just like, if, if, if I don't save the planet, you know, if we don't save the planet, no one else is going to. And I mean, I feel climate anxiety. I feel political anxiety, but she was just sort of like, it was all, it, it was consumed her you know because the kids are the kids are growing up in such a different world than we did and it's like these issues are so urgent and they feel it to this level so young and as sad as that is they're also so motivated to create change and it brings me a lot of hope I mean I've never seen young kids as politically or like teenagers as politically motivated as they are right now and it's like really incredible so um yeah yep yeah yeah that is that that is that wave of hope of of the of youth that obama you know the day he left office talked about he, he's like i know this seems like a dark time but you know chins up because the the young people in this country are, are going to wash over us like a wave mm -hmm. of justice and peace and 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 change and 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 I just I, I never forget I never forget when he talked about that he I think he did it on the Pod Save America podcast mm -hmm. um, the day he the day he left office so thank you for that good news story ten yeah. years old that's so great and I'm definitely going to check out the new the new Queer Eye absolutely yeah it's really good in the end they taught her how to relax and they were like you can't you'll get burned out if you don't stop to take care of yourself so um, sorry to spoil the episode for you everyone but it, they're kind of formulaic so you can imagine. Um, Okay, the next one is from Karen, and Karen says, I am a bookseller at a small indie bookstore in Maine. I love Maine, by the way. I grew up in Nova Scotia, and I spent so much time in Maine growing up, and it has such a special place in my heart, and I love it. Anyway, that aside, our store has been open for curbside and online business since early March. In that time, I have been warmed by the support for our business, with customers buying gift certificates for later use. Oh, I'm so, that makes me so happy to hear. I am grateful to live in a, in a small rural college town that supports us. I have been especially heartened over these last few weeks as customers have called and ordered books such as White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo and Michael Dyson and How to Be Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. These books have been on back order with their publishers because the demand for them has been so great. Good people do want to be allies, and it begins with teaching ourselves about systems of oppression. This gives me such hope during these dark times. 
I also thank you for all that you do. I've been going into work before opening to take care of the bookstore stuff and your podcast keep me company while I shelve the books. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Love it. That's amazing. Yeah. Have you seen the um, the list of the New York Times bestselling books this week? I have. Yeah. I absolutely have. Yeah. It's like, it's really heartening. It's so many books on, um, you know, anti-racist stuff and systems of oppression and just like she was saying. So yay. Um, all right. The next one. Uh, from Anonymous, I saw young white people protesting for George Floyd way out in deep red Texas on the busiest intersection in a small town. Not that many, maybe a dozen, but sizable for here, where it's called the Bible Belt. It made me tear up and restored my faith in humanity a little bit. Yeah, we're seeing that all across the country and, and globally. It's it's amazing. It's so good. Um, yeah, uh, continuing on the same theme from Patty, Bizarro 2020 has another surprise for us, but this time it's a good one. NASCAR, motherfucking NASCAR, has banned the Confederate flag at all NASCAR events, and the MAGA crowd is melting down on Twitter over it. Hurrah. Yeah. Well, fuck your feelings. Yeah. It's (laughs) so great. And I saw that this morning on the news, and I was just like, you know what? I'll take it. Let's call that a win. Yeah. And and some NASCAR driver named uh, Sicarini or something is is like, I'm going to retire. I quit. And NASCAR's response was golden. They're like, honestly, we had to Google you. Um, <laughs> he's he's won he's won zero of thirty eight races, zero percent winning advantage. Like, and it, they they were like, you know, okay, cool. And uh, I think Steve Hofstetler tweeted something about, yeah, well, he seems to apparently suck at anything race related. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and. I honestly, I went to see that on the NASCAR page uh, and to, to read the comments. The most relevant and most liked comments are all people who are there to support and, you know, uh, you know, be like, I'm so happy that you've done this NASCAR. Uh, although there is just a litany of horrible people like we're never going to, you know, go to another race again. Well, OK. But yeah, there's there's a lot of that, you know, and I don't know what that I don't know what it looks like. Um, somebody also suggested, all right, all right, all right, all right, you racist. What about a compromise? What instead of uh, what if we wave the Confederate flag when the last car crosses the finish line to indicate that they're the loser? A lot of fun. Just well, obviously, well past time, but just. A, a good step i i was surprised that they did that honestly but they did so i and i know it's i honestly it's not something i ever thought i would see i mean i just associate nascar with racism which is very unfortunate because honestly i mean there are so many people who are who are lgbt who are anti-racist who are people of color who also enjoy nascar and i, and I know this to be a fact and yet i still can't help it i associate nascar and it's fandom with racism. And that's a not good for your brand. You know what I mean? Like, I should, I yeah. should, I, I, people should feel safe going to your events. Um, and I actually spent time at a race car track growing up. My dad raced in like, you know, local level race, like race car tracks. And I spent time on race car, like at race car tracks growing up. Um, and it was a fun experience. Like, it's fun to be around cars that go fast. <laughs> But it's probably not good if your um, if your brand is associated with um, Confederate flag waving yahoos. So good on them. Mm. Mm. All right, we have a couple more good news stories here, really quick ones. Um, just two more, actually. Uh, the next one's from Allie, and uh, continuing on the theme this week, uh, Allie says, 
After over a week of protesting, the Colorado State Senate just passed Senate Bill 217, the Enhanced Law Enforcement Integrity Bill. Among other things, it bans police chokeholds, uh, removes qualified immunity, and requires departments produce regular reporting on frequency of police use of force, police stops, unannounced entries, or resignations of officers under investigation. It passed with only one nay vote. On to the House. When people show up and put in the work, things really can start to change. Yes. Get rid of qualified immunity. Hopefully they're addressing the unions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, honestly, if the unions had been protecting those things uh, and then Congress, the state legislature passes a law banning those things, then the, the union by law can no longer protect those, those you know, activities. So um, steps in the right direction. I still mm-hmm. think more needs to be done, um, obviously, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm personally for taking most of the money out of militarization and and beat cop Mm -hmm. uh, this shit and and adding different resources, giving that money back to black communities. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I mean, these are things these are low hanging fruit things that can be done now. Absolutely. And um, I think it's uh, these are if we tried to do this last year, it would never it would never happen. Mm -hmm. So. So here we are. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, like, you know, if, if you don't reach high, you're not even going to, if, if you don't, if, if your goals are not lofty, you're not even going to get small things done, you know? So the, it's amazing that, that, that we're having enough pressure right now for us to accomplish things, which we now know to be low hanging fruit. But like you said, like previous to this moment in time would have been impossible. So it's re- it's great. And we got to keep up the pressure and keep going. Uh, mm-hmm. This is our last one. It's from Susie. And Susie says, and I'm really loving all of these, um, stories from people in small towns it feels good you know it feels good to get so many stories from people just outside of the big cities uh Susie says I volunteer at our small town food pantry in rural Oklahoma since the pandemic we have developed a new way to distribute food and still follow COVID-19 safety guidelines I am a high-risk person myself so we also developed a system where I can order food online from home and also enter our distribution to each client from home I love the men and women who volunteer at our pantry, and I want to commend them all for their selfless service in this time and ability to find creative ways to safely continue to distribute food to those in so much need. I really love you guys. I'm a patron, and I listen every day. Thanks for all that you do from all of us. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening, guys. Oh, that's so nice. Um, Yeah, all good news. Good stuff. Thank you for your good news stories, everyone. We really appreciate them, and uh, it's and it's our honor to share them, uh, your stories with each other. So um, please submit your good news stories. You can do so. Um, there's a link to it in our pinned tweet at Daily Beans Pod, or you can find it on the contact page of our website at dailybeanspod.com and submit your good news stories. Uh, we record them five times a week. So, uh, you know, keep them coming in. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And we, yeah, I mean, seriously, I look forward to this every day. So. Appreciate you sending them in. Do you have any final thoughts, Mandy? Uh, I, yeah, just that uh, everyone listening, if it's it's Friday, if you're a patron, it's Thursday night. But if you're not a patron, it's going to be Friday. Um, but if I would love to see you at our, uh, our, our live stream at 4 p.m. Pacific time on Friday. If you are not a patron and you can afford to become one and you want to join us for the first hour, you should do so. And if not, we'll tweet out the link for the second half at 5. But I'm really looking forward to hanging out with everyone and you know, throwing some rainbow and glitter on my body since the theme is pride. (laughs) (laughs) 
Awesome. Yes. And thank you. And everyone, um, thanks for listening. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Amanda Reader. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.